Kia ora, I'm Erin Keem and you're listening to Conversations About Closets with my closest thousand friends. I started this project to get me through a gloomy Seattle winter, which was hitting me hard. The thing is, I love women. Why not showcase them? Why not call women I've never met, have our first conversation, record it and turn it into a podcast? So that's what I did. I didn't edit, I still don't. Some days I'm on fire, some days not so much, and sometimes I even forgot to ask questions about closets. But all my guests are amazing. Listen up, get to know them, you'll be glad you did. If you want to be a guest on my show, go to erinkeem.com. I'd love to meet you. Aroha for listening, here's today's episode. Mika. Hello, Erin. Good morning. Good morning, Mika, coach extraordinaire. You know, I was actually nervous because you are a genuine friend. You're one of the few people I've spoken to that I've met in real life, and you're important to me. So I was actually really nervous about this podcast. Oh, I mean, you've done so many, and they are so great, and I am I am so excited to be on it. And. I'm- I'm so thrilled you could make the time. Do you remember how we met at the Riveter? Uh, I think it was in the Seattle Capitol Hill branch. No, 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 no. We met for the first time in in the Bellevue Riveter. And I was there with a friend um, for a clothing swap. That was my clothing swap. Yeah. And, (laughs) And we met at your clothing swap. And I thought you were so phenomenal. And you told me about um that about the goal getters and that i need to come to the riveter capitol hill which is closer to where i live anyway and i had been aware of the space i had been there for events but i wasn't a member yet so i actually owe all my riveter friendships to you my dear well, I love that we did connect. The reason I was thinking of the Riveter was that there's a great photo on your website of you wearing the most kick-ass black vinyl trousers with this great T-shirt that says change. And I know the location. You're right outside the Riveter because I recognize the signage. Yep, yep. It's such a great shot. Mika, you are a life and leadership coach for women in male-dominated fields. And yes. you you specialize in helping women going through the process of unlearning what holds us back, which is mm-hmm. so powerful. Yeah, um, I, I think what you know, what I know, and what most women feel at least is nobody needs to tell us to learn more. Uh, it's really <laughs> about dropping stuff. It's really about getting over all these, all these things that hold us back, which is usually something we've learned um, really early in our life so it's culture it's society it's it's family that gives us the burden of what being a good girl means and uh, as i specialize in not being that much of a good girl uh, that's what i help (laughs) other women to do too (laughs) and and your workshops that you offer i've got so many things to talk about because i learned so much more about you when i was researching the things about you that I didn't know it and I, and I thought we knew each other pretty well but just to get back mm. to your workshops for a minute you offer these incredible workshops and for corporates or for groups or you also do one-on-one mm-hmm. but I love this don't be your worst critic unlearn negative self-talk yeah. you are enough unlearn imposter syndrome 
done is better than perfect, unlearn perfectionism, and permission to succeed, unlearn self-sabotage. These are such powerful subjects. I mean, I, I could do with any one of these workshops. I love the fact that you yourself, part of where you learned about imposter syndrome was I believe that you stopped short of finishing a PhD. Mm -hmm. And that was part of what gives you the insight into helping people with imposter syndrome now. Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, I've always defined myself as a high achieving person. And dropping out of that PhD program was, on the one hand, one of the most honest decisions I made. Because I didn't want to be part of the academic circus, really. Uh, but it was also super, super hard. And it was, it was uh, imposter syndrome was a huge part of that decision. And um, the other part was also a bit of a toxic environment. So that was, that is something I stress actually when I talk to women about imposter syndrome is, yeah, on the one hand, our brain messes, us, messes with us and tells us we're not good enough. But on the other hand, there are toxic environments. And there's no way uh, to either change those or leave them. So there's, there's two elements to that. It's, it's such a rich subject. Uh, I'm going to segue for a minute because I get told I have an accent. And guess what? So do you. Yeah. So you weren't born in the United States like no. me. Where do you originally come from? I originally come from Germany. I grew up in, in, in a small town that my husband claims looks like Disney World. And quite honestly, now that I've been to Epcot, yeah, he's, he's, actually, he's actually right. <laughs> uh, they did a good job there in Epcot. <laughs> and uh, I, went to, I went to college and grad school in Munich. Then I moved to the U.S. for my first job. I came back to Germany for a while, lived in Frankfurt. And I've been in the U.S. permanently now since 2013 and I think you're going for citizenship like I am right yeah yeah I just my application is filed and they waive the biometrics so uh I'm only I'm only waiting for the for the test interview thing now wow I'm studying for all those questions that you have to answer your company is called go big coaching I mean it is Mika go big coaching why is this such a great name for you Oh, you know, the funny thing is that in German, of course, that name doesn't mean anything. And the go big that I now use for my company, everybody here says like, yeah, of course you use that. Or people, <laughs> people tend to ask me, is that really your last name? That's fabulous. And I'm like, that's so funny because it, I didn't even think about that for decades. Being bilingual, I, I still didn't, didn't think about it. And uh, it hit me when I listened to a podcast by, by another life coach. Um, and I thought that, oh, of course, her name. And that's such a great name for a coach. And I stood at a traffic light and I'm like, wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> so, um, so now in my personal manifesto, my coach always makes people write a personal manifesto. And mine now starts with... Uh, I am Mika and I'm called to go big. Oh, I love that. Now, just to clarify, Mika's name, that's M-I-C-H-A. Her last her last name is actually G-O-E-B-I-G, go big. 
which is why uh, we have the G-O-B-I-G. I mean, it really yeah. was too perfect a, yep. a coincidence. And you did mention translation. I know you're bilingual and you also do translation work for companies and you have done for quite some time. Yeah, something like 20 years. So the, the official company I have is actually Go Big Coaching and Communications because that agency still exists. Um, I don't do a lot of work anymore in that in that part of my business, mostly on. Um, but uh, it's mostly specializing in the German luxury car industry. I've worked for all the German luxury car uh, companies, all four of them, um, in the past 20 years as a, as a communication specialist, as a translator, uh, whatever comes up. So is this partly why you coach women in male-dominated fields? Because you have that experience? What, what calls you, what calls you to, to help women that are in predominantly male-dominated fields? Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Because my background being in old tech, so to speak, um, I realized moving to Seattle that uh, new tech comes with very, very similar challenges. I wasn't aware of that in Germany about that huge gender divide and uh, the, the hardship for pretty much everybody who's not a white guy to find their spot and find their role models in tech. And I learned that in my first year or two in the US. I was like, okay, that's just like in the car industry uh, where it's so hard for women to, to get to higher levels. And that's kind of the thing uh, I want to see in my lifetime is women in 51% of senior management and board positions. I really want that. And preferably when I'm still lucid. So we have to speed that up. <laughs> and so that's, that's one element. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the second one is, uh, if you don't mind me adding that, I am being German. I'm very pragmatic. And a lot of what I do comes from my rational mind and I'm okay with that. And women in those fields, in those, in finance, in law, in tech, so it's not only tech, they tend to uh, have that strong rational side too. And that makes it easier for me to work with them. So that's kind of like, that's my sisterhood. I love it. Speaking of while we're still lucid, uh, you and I crossed over the half a century mark and your blog, My Best Birthday Present at 50, was just fantastic. Mika is an amazing writer. Please do Thank check you. out her blogs and her articles. Uh, I, I want to also ask you about your fiction, but in your blog, you recently turned the big five O, as you put it, and you were going back through your decades. Mm -hmm. And this birthday was very different, wasn't it, than your 40th, your 30th, your 20th. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I really love to celebrate my birthdays. I am not one of those humble people. That's another part of my work too. It's like, I want more selfishness in women. And I love to be celebrated. I love to celebrate my birthday and have tons of people there all for me. And uh, of course, that could not happen right now, um, which is why I actually decided to call that 49B I'll catch up with my, <laughs> I'll catch up later after I had my party. <laughs> um, but uh, that really, it really hit me when I looked back at 20, 30, 40, 50, that 
we often get so stuck in our goals and where we see ourselves going. And when I look back, whatever I had in terms of goals at the, at the, at the book and birthday was totally not where I would be 10 years later. So that helps me relax a little more because when I was 30, I was married to my first husband and uh, there was no way to know that by 40, I would have a, a boutique translation agency, would live in Frankfurt, have, of course, have a totally different partner, have a totally different circle of friends. And again, at my 40th birthday, which was, man, the mother of all parties, I tell you. Uh, I didn't think I would marry again. So I felt like I'm giving myself the huge party for my 40th. And at that point, if someone had told me, uh, oh, well, in two, three years, you'll just, uh, you'll live in the US and you'll be married again to someone you're not even touched with yet. Um, all these things, I would have said, okay, you're crazy. So that helps me relax now when I look at my goals. I was like, it'll be, it'll turn out differently anyway. I also, the similar, there's a couple of similarities going on. You ended up married to a man you dated back in your 20s. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I ended up married, married to a man I actually met when I was 18, but we went in different directions mm -hmm. for multiple decades. I would never have seen that coming. Right. That that within eighteen months I would have left New Zealand, be in New, be in America, and be married. Mm -hmm. uh, what a difference a decade makes! I read somewhere recently that we overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in a decade, and it makes me feel so much happier when I think, well, I've got a ten-year plan, I've got a twenty-year yeah. plan. That was in I've my newsletter. You read that in my newsletter. I quoted. I did. I quoted. <laughs> I think it was Bill Gates. I think uh, I found uh, that it was a quote by Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I find that so true for myself. We also have a coincidence on the fact that neither of us could walk for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, um, I am actually officially healed now. My bones have completely mended about half a year ahead of schedule. So if anybody ever doubts again, like my, my sweet husband, uh, who I rolled when I said, I'm a speed healer, this won't be long. Um, he didn't believe me, but now he does because now I have an actual doctor saying that I am the fastest healer he's ever seen. And he was kind enough not to say at that age. <laughs> well, it sounds like you coached yourself through mm -hmm. it. Uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about what happened or should we move on to your incredible palm, oh, your incredible offering? Oh, it's... Uh, what I, what I, I, unfortunately, I don't even have a good war story for that. I completely shattered my lower leg, both bones, tibia and fibula, plus the ankle while walking my dog in the park. So that is not a great war story for the amount of damage I did. So the, I had five bigger breaks and overall my bones were in like 23 pieces. So I have a, I, I'm titanium reinforced now uh, with a rod and I think eight plates, 12 screws or something. So, um, which fascinates my little, 
my little nephew who now thinks he has like a German American robot ant or something. It's a <laughs> very, very cool thing. So I, I told him uh, you can actually touch some of the screws close to the ankle. You can feel them. So I think breaking breaking your leg in 23 places is a war story. And I've watched you heal so quickly and with such determination and you have such resilience. Uh, and I know your uh, your dog has been waiting anxiously mm-hmm. for you to be able to go back to the park. Yep, yep. And we I've been walking for quite a while now. And actually yesterday I had my first day with 10,000 steps again. The accident happened in September. And now that my doctor said, I'm, Thursday he told me I'm healed and I can do whatever I want. And so first thing I did yesterday was walk 10,000 steps. And yeah, I feel it today. It's okay. It's okay. I'd rather feel uh, a little bit of exhaustion from doing too much than hanging hanging out on my couch anymore. So I love your determination. I always wonder, like I, I had foot surgery and so I've got pins in my foot and I wonder if we're going to set off metal detectors when we go through airport security. Uh-huh. I I actually asked my doctor if I need anything, like uh, if there is that type of little ID card that people always talk about when you have those things. And he said, nope, that's an urban legend (laughs) that people get like a little doctor's note or something. Um, uh, What he said was that uh, those machines nowadays are so good that they see exactly what it is. So when you walk through the to that little round thing, whatever they call it, um, at the airport. And you have to put your hands up and you stand with your feet. It's, that it's, one. I still, it's still a novelty to yeah. me because it's so different from New Zealand. Yeah. You introduced me to stripper pants. <laughs> because you had your, your, uh, your accident before I had the surgery, I mean, you had already found incredibly stylish uh, shoes that you could wear with your industry. But we were talking about how hard it is to get clothing on over casts mm-hmm. and those pants, they, they were sheer and utter genius, Mika. You put me onto them where they have domes all the way at the sides yep. or zips all the way at the side. And you can literally just whip them off as if you're doing, you know, you're about to climb onto a pole. And they, they were incredibly and utterly useful. So thank you for putting them Oh, absolutely. With, with stripper pants. Absolutely. That was actually my fun little project uh, in the night after I had surgery. I was I was just like wide awake at, at 2 a.m. after the after I came out of uh, uh, the surgery and I I spent all that time on my phone trying to put together a recovery capsule wardrobe so to speak um, with practical stuff that didn't look like um, what I saw online the, when I went on it's like okay there must be there must be something more stylish I don't have to look like a slob just because uh, I'm in a cast and on a walker and so stripper pants stripper pants turns out I, th- I think we could also call them runner warm-up pants but I'll go with the stripper pants because I both you and I we didn't go for the really basic um, version so <laughs> No, I found some fantastic retro ones from the mm-hmm. 70s. I think they call them tearaway pants when we right, actually right. Uh, when we actually look them up. And we found some really cool ones, um, not only new, but also I think secondhand as yep. well. So that was awesome. Yeah, we, we did have a fun project with that. You've always been stylish. And I know capsule wardrobes, you're a minimalist. 
and I know you've got a lot of your clothing, you're, you're missing clothing swaps. Yep. So I know you've done a lot of your sourcing through that. And you tend to keep your clothing to a particular color palette and it tends to be very minimal and you always look beautifully put together. Thank you. Thank you. My closet is a little less minimal these days because I'm in a color change. So, um, but it's, that, that's okay. That's okay. Um, I really don't want to put too much of a restriction on myself, but the reason why I miss, miss the clothing swaps so much or just being comfortable browsing uh, at, at a really, at a really uh, busy Goodwill is that this is my test ground. When I, when I try out new styles or try out a new color, then it just makes so much sense to do that with stuff you get at a clothing swap because if it doesn't work for you, you can just put it back into the cycle, release it immediately and don't even have to go through all that, oh, but I paid so much for it, all that, all that stupid uh, mind drama that we tend to do with more expensive pieces. I think a clothing swap or thrift store is a kind of clothing rental yeah. where you can, you can, you can experiment, you can create combinations, and you can let things, you can, you can set things yep. free, you know, yep. set things free back into. The and it used to be so much oh, fun, you... right? You go to a clothing swap, you look around, and suddenly you see someone in something you brought to the swap, and you're like, oh, yes, that was mine. So yeah, exactly. And they look amazing and it makes you so happy to know yep. that something that you treasured has gone to an amazing woman and she looks fantastic exactly. at it. And nobody nobody wears the same clothing in exactly the same yep. way. So it's it's wonderful to see it. Hey, did you get that maroon jumpsuit? Yep. 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 Oh. I um I actually I didn't get it. I got in maroon, I got um pants with a top and the jumpsuit is grey, but like a silver grey. And uh, so that that really that's that's kind of my experimental thing. What I what I how I'm we've yeah just a little redesigning my my closet right now. Maroon and uh, like uh, burgundy is part of that, and uh, green and orange. No, I I want a Zoom fashion show. I really do. We will do that. <laughs> We will totally do that. Um, I am going to segue back. That's one of my favorite words yep. at the moment, segue. That reminds me of one of those little yep. scooters. I, I remember us discuss, uh, discussing when you were you were talking about the packages that you offer. And they're so, the names of them are great. It's not like gold, silver, bronze, or platinum. You have packages like the Workaholic, the Commitment Vogue, and the Alpha Girl. And I think... I come under the commitment vogue because you and I both have a thing about boredom. Mm -hmm. Neither of us wants to be bored. Yep. Um, we both always love new challenges and learning and growing and, cur and curiosity is a big one for us. But you've got the workaholic, the commitment phobe, and the alpha girl. Why, where did those three names come from? And what, who, what kind of woman, what, what do you mean by those? Oh, actually, I mean... They came in an exercise I did inspired by my coach, um, Rich Litvin. And uh, I did an exercise about who are my the favorite clients I've worked with so far. And, and then you, of course, see that that has a lot to do with how you are. And I went through that a little more. And I, I've, I've always felt that I don't want to be stuck too much on a demographic of ideal clients and more like a psychographic. 
And somehow I turned in this exercise, it clicked for me that, uh, for instance, I'm a commitment phobe, but I'm super reliable. I am a, yes, I am yes, a bit of are. a workaholic or a little bit more than a bit, but I'm also very fun focused. And I'm pretty alpha, but I'm also a people pleaser. <laughs> and so that's, that's how that came to pass that I felt, uh, yeah, and that's, that fascinates me in other people too. When they, that's always the, what's your gift? What's the dark side of your gift? So that was, I think that was the exercise I did. The gift and the dark side of the gift. And I'm like, yeah, um, I like complex characters and uh, people, people with a sense of humor. And if someone books a thing that is called the commitment phobe, then she's probably, uh, this person uh, is probably my type of, my type of uh, person because someone who says, whoa, that's so negative. That's probably not some, someone who's meant to work with me. No, I love the name. It, it makes complete and utter sense to me because uh, often I'll, I'll give up five feet from gold. You know, uh, there's that story about the prospector who was so close and then got distracted or went off in another right. direction. And to me, the how you describe the commitment phobe is uh, you've heard you need focus so often you've started to believe it, but what if there's another way, a way that allows you to keep all your spontaneity? And that's part of the challenge with commitment is you, you don't want to lose your joy, spontaneity, your passion. You don't want to feel that it's turned into drudgery or a slog. So I think that that's a great name. You're also one of the most organized people I have ever met. You are completely and utterly reliable and you're pragmatic and you've always told it completely straight. But Woman, you could organize uh, the entire world. Yeah, yeah, and I actually, I enjoy that. I mean, that is really some type of organizing is just uh, is flat out in my zone of excellence. I think any type of organizing is in my zone of excellence. A part of it is even my zone of genius. So when when friends move, I'm I'm pretty much begging them if they have a lot of books that I can sort their books. <laughs> and uh, several friends have taken me up on that and were very happy with what I did <laughs> with their books and I also I love to to help people organize their closets um, and my closet is color co of course is color coordinated and uh, my books are uh, fiction is by author alphabetical and then the nonfiction by topic so that's the kind of stuff I actually have a lot of fun with. And I always know where stuff is in my house. Now, that is a skill mm. indeed. I'm the same. I can always find something. I just don't lose things. You are, I love organizing closets. It is yep. so much fun. But when it comes to books, you recommended some great books to me, and you've actually written books yourself. I didn't know mm. you'd written two novels. <laughs> yeah, um, the first one was... Oh my God, that's more than 10 years ago. Um, that was actually back in the day when, when HBO had Sex and the City on. Like, yeah, all the way back in the day when it was, when you actually waited for the next episode to come out the next week. Um, and I had a girls' night around that. And one night it was just my friend Karen and I. And 
we sat in the kitchen. We were totally overstocked on bubbly because there were supposed to be four or five of us. And so we, we, we sat in my kitchen, had a bottle of bubbly and realized that we both absolutely wanted to write a novel and hadn't, yeah, hadn't really made it uh, beyond the beginner stage. And then we said, all right, let's do one together. And uh, we just uh, took a few notes while we sat in the kitchen and just brainstormed. And by the end of that evening, we had her protagonist and my protagonist and the outline of our story. And we wrote that first one together. That was actually published by Random House as a romantic comedy of the month back then. Um, my second one I self-published when I was, that was because I wrote it in that transition between Germany and the US and uh, in which I lost my agent, of course, because yeah, how these things go. Um, so not many people <laughs> have read that one, but it was also, it was a lot of fun. That was a little bit of an attempt uh, for me to take rom-com to a more adult and more serious level. Uh, the protagonist actually goes through breast cancer and is in her is in her forties, but it's still a rom com. So that was kind of my experiment, and I hope to write more again. For a while, I wrote uh, short stories and creative nonfiction. I've got a couple of things published in the U.S. and English. Uh, one is in Chicken Soup for the Soul. <laughs> uh huh. What? Yep. I had a I had a, a creative creative nonfiction story in chicken in a, one of the volumes of chicken soup for the soul a couple of years back <laughs> Mika how did I not know this this is just brilliant I, I have to find that story and read it and I want to read your I want to read your rom-coms I love rom-coms they are in German I had a translation for the second one but I just oh, realized it can't be a translation it would have to be rewritten um translations often don't work right so uh i'll see what i do with that but the yeah but the the uh, story for for the chicken soup uh i can get you that i can actually get you the um more authentic story because i had to uh tone it down a little for the readership of chicken soup for the soul uh because there's no swearing and stuff in those stories. So I'll give you the original. I would love that. Hey, uh, off, back to books. What are you reading at the moment? You just recently recommended a book to me. I'm trying to remember what it was. I, what did I recommend to you? I just finished a children's Bible yesterday, which is totally not oh. what it sounds like. It's a, a more dystopian novel. Um, the, the child who carries a children's Bible doesn't know anything about Christianity. Um, so that that was a long list for the Pulitzer. That's, that was a very good novel. And I just picked up yesterday the only Brené Brown book I haven't read yet. Um, the one, or actually I read it in German 15 years ago and it didn't resonate at all. So I put it back down. That's, um, I thought it was just me, but it isn't on her actual shame research. I started that yesterday. And uh, thank you. I'm going to make, I'm going to make a note of that because you and I often swap titles yep. of mindset yep. books. Uh, yep. I mean, my, my favorite is, Brené is, Brown is definitely the gifts of imperfection. 
but uh, I'm very excited to go back to uh, her early book and see if it resonates with me now. I'm, I'm actually very sure it does. I'm, I'm only 20 pages in. I know it does. It, it's amazing when you read the set books, you, you, you learn, you're such a different person yeah, when you read yeah, them. Yeah, and also the language factor. It, it's, uh, it really is, makes a huge difference. I mean, I'm, I know I'm, I'm a kick-ass translator and my team is great. And I know a lot of amazing translators, but it's different. The energy of a book is different in translation. I also wanted to note that Mika is perfect for you as a coach if you are high energy, I'm quoting here, high energy, high mm -hmm. anxiety, which I can really relate to, but mm -hmm. low drama. You know, I'm actually an <laughs> ideal yeah. client. And also, if you're too bored to stay in your zone of excellence any longer, and if you're ready to put yourself first and rewrite the story, and if anybody can rewrite your story, it's Mika because she knows how to write. I love what you say here about, uh, what do you mean by multi-interested? Well, actually, that's, that's something that happens to me, for instance, uh, when it comes to my physical activity. So I have never excelled at any sports, but I am very athletic. Because whenever I get pretty good at something, I check out something new. I never stick with one. I never, yeah, never, never have uh, been loyal to any sports. I've tried out probably 20 or 30 things. And whenever I get pretty good or to an advanced group, I'm like, okay, okay, let's try something else. And that is something I see showing up in other fields as well. That... Uh, I'm in many, in many things that ha have nothing to do with my core interest. I'm good with just knowing that I can get good at it. And at that point, it gets a little boring and I try out something new. I'm not interested in acquiring mastery in anything beyond what really, really is, is at the core of what I want to do. Everything else, I'm like... I rather try out 10 things and be good at them than having one thing like where I acquire mastery and sports is the best for me where I can show it really really well because I've done so many different things and I think my 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 ideal clients are the same way they try out everything it's like oh this is cool this is cool there's a little bit of shining than uh, of of uh, the next shiny object in there, of course. But it's, it's also just a different way of experimenting means more to some people, including me, and having the new experience means more than mastery in five things. Yep. Curiosity. I have always been curious and it's allowed me anything I was interested in, I explored and it does make for an yeah, interesting life. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, you talk about gifts often come with a dark side. You alluded to that before, you know, earlier on in the conversation. So what do you mean about the dark side? You're not talking no. about the not talking about <laughs> No, Star Wars no, we're here. not. Um, for instance, to stay with that multi-interest example, um, I found that super helpful as an undergrad 
that I was multi-interested because as an undergrad, even though you choose your, your major or maybe even in Germany, you also chose your minors, but uh, you still get to get to take a lot of classes. You've, you're like, oh, okay, okay, I have to get through this. And me being a curious, multi-interested person, I could always get myself in a mind space where my topic that I had to write my paper on just got super interesting to me, always. That same thing turned out to, this gift for, for just my undergrad uh, turned out to be less, uh, less positive, actually a bit of a hurdle when I, when I was in my PhD program. I mean, I, I did get through my master's, and, uh, but then when I, when I went on to the PhD program where suddenly you are so stuck with, a, with one topic and you're expected to, to, yeah, uh, to live and breathe and, and, and sleep this, this one topic. That was, that's something where it became very, very difficult. In my master's program, I could manage that by just writing my master's thesis within four months instead of taking longer. <laughs> yeah. Right. That, that, was about my, that was about the attention span I had for the topic. Right? But of course you can, I mean, I, maybe other people can, but I was not able to write my PhD thesis in a year. And so that's where, that was the, the other point where it's just like, okay, that is the dark side of the gift of curiosity. You get bored and you have a hard time working through that boredom. I get stuck mm. in the doldrums sometimes. I'll get to a point where the passion's kind of worn off and I'm, I guess maybe my battery just gets flat. I'm, how many metaphors can I use <laughs> in one conversation? But uh, I, I just hit the doldrums and it's, it's always in winter. Mm -hmm. It's always around this time of year and Sometimes it does take uh, a new interest yep. to spark me yep. back to And life. I think that's perfectly okay. When I, when I hear this, what is your passion? I'm always like, oh, people, leave me alone with the one passion. That's, that's not how some people operate that way. Totally true and all good for them. But other people, uh, like you and me, don't. The one passion thing. That's not, that's not meant for everybody. This is just what I needed oh, to hear today. Good. Thank you so much. Hey, before we, we go, because I promised I'd only keep you 20 minutes, but I could talk to you for hours. Uh, most most people are familiar with the words imposter syndrome. I think it's become a little ubiquitous yep. in the last few years. But what does it mean to you? I would say that at the core of imposter okay. syndrome, for most people, is a sense of I'm not good enough. And they can't own their accomplishments or their successes. They are stuck also in a definition of what an accomplishment is. That just doesn't work for them. For me personally, um, I don't have that. I don't, I, I'm not good enough. That's not my sentence. That doesn't resonate with me. But what I have, and again, that's probably more the, the people I attract, is who do you think you are? Uh, that's more the sentence where I get into can where I can get into an imposter space or where my clients can get into an imposter space. So that's that can very often be when I get that. Who do you think you are to join this program? 
that's actually a good sign because it means I'm playing big enough. Speaking of playing big enough, you can find Mika at MikaGoBig.com and that's M-I-C-H-A. <laughs> I sound like an advert, don't I? MikaGoBig.com, M-I-C-H-A-G-O-E-B-I-G. But just remember, go big. As she has on her LinkedIn, I'm just slipping back to your LinkedIn, this woman is, the, uh, if you find her on LinkedIn, you'll see her, what's right behind her is the saying, what is the most courageous thing you can do today? And you can find her on LinkedIn or go straight to her coaching site and she will work with you one-on-one if you are a good fit. But she'll also come in and work with corporations as well. Mika, I really, you said all the things I needed to hear this morning. And uh, you, you were more than my coffee. So thank Yay! You. <laughs> Beat the coffee. <laughs> this, this was this was such a treat. Why don't we hang up and then I want to call you back and let's catch All up. All right, let's do that. Now. Thanks for having me. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you so, so 